Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bible today, I hope so. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 21. And this is a prayer that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus, for the believers there. We have loved getting to be with you last night at the wedding and to reconnect with so many of you. Yes, I am here. You didn't know that I was over here, did you? Uh, we've enjoyed getting to sing with the choir. It's been a wonderful thing. And we thank you for allowing us to be here with you today. Uh, we've stayed in touch over social media. Some, some of you have called us or texted us. And we've enjoyed seeing God work in your lives. We watched the video that Bill or uh, Matt make each week. And, or, or maybe Elizabeth make uh, each week. And we're uh, grateful to be able to connect, stay connected that way. Um, and we love you just like Paul loved this church. He stayed with this church for several years. Uh, he watched it grow. And we are the same way, Karen and I. We love y'all so dearly. And we pray the same prayer for you that Paul did for the people at Ephesus. So I hope you'll listen and consider how God will speak to your heart, not through me, but through this passage of Scripture. So if you'll look along with me as I read from God's Word, uh, verse 14. Paul says, for this reason, and of course he's given some things that he's, he said, look, don't, don't worry about me. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. He's in prison, but he wants them to know he's going to be okay. And so he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on, on, or, on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses all understanding, all knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he closes by saying, now to him who is able to do above and beyond exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now you may have heard of people who were quite wealthy, but they lived like paupers. Any of you heard of folks like that? Hetty Green, I don't know if you've heard that name. Hetty Green was one of those people. She lived in Brooklyn, New York in the eight, late 1800s, first of the 20th century. And she was dubbed the Witch of Wall Street. I think she was dubbed the Witch of Wall Street because she always wore black dresses. Uh, her father was a Quaker. She'd been raised as a Quaker, and they were very frugal. And so uh, she had gotten this nickname, Witch of Wall Street. Part of the reason was because she had amassed a fortune. In today's money, it was about almost $4 billion. And she'd done that pretty much on her own, which was very unusual. And she was tough. She, she wasn't going to be easy on anybody. But she lived like a pauper so much so to the point that her son was in an accident. I think it was a snow sledding accident. And he hurt his leg and she would not pay for the best doctors. Now, can you imagine being a person who has the resources 
in front of you that you've got billions, of, the, the equivalent of billions of dollars, and yet you won't hire the best doctors for your son. And what happened was he eventually had his leg amputated. And, and it's a terrible thing to think of. How can people live lives like that? You've heard of people who maybe you, you thought they were poor and afterwards you find out after they've passed on, people come in to clean out their house and they've got a mattress full of cash. You know, it's, it's just to live that frugal and not allow the resources that are at your disposal be wasted. And yet Paul here is praying that this very thing would cease in the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a great city of wealth. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. Most of the believers at Ephesus, most of the Christians there, were probably upper middle class. And his letter to them, Paul wants to call attention to the great wealth that they have. Not great wealth that's tangible and, and, and what they can see, but the great wealth that they have in Christ because of their salvation, because of their faith in Christ. And he's trying to call them to that attention. He says to us, because in this prayer it says to all generations, right? So he's writing to us as well. God's Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. We have been given great wealth. You and I. Paul has laid out the inheritance that they had in Christ in the first two chapters of this book. He says, you have a position and you have possessions. You are children of the king. And you have these great possessions, the love, the grace, all of these things that God has given to you and you are not appropriating them. You're not using them in your life. So today I ask you, as we look at this scripture, what will you do with what God has given to you? You see, we are joint heirs in Jesus Christ. You and I are brothers and sisters. We, we sometimes call each other brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. We are joint heirs in Christ. We have all the same inheritance that Jesus Christ has as the only begotten Son of God. And yet, so often we live in this life as if we were, there's an old story about prairie chickens. Uh, an eagle has his egg rolled into a, a nest of a prairie chicken. And the prairie chicken sat on the eggs that were in the nest and all of them hatched and there's this little baby, baby eaglet and he's walking around with them and he's pecking with them and doing all the things and growing and day by day he gets bigger and bigger and he gets a whole lot bigger than the prairie chickens and he looks up in the sky and he sees this wonderful eagle flying and soaring and he thinks, I wish I could do that. And here he is, he's an eagle. He has those that capability. He has it built into him, but he just doesn't appropriate it. How sad. We possess the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors, we're told, in Jesus. And Paul prays that we will choose to be filled with the fullness of God. That we will know, not only know what we have, but that we'll use it for his glory and for his honor. These heavenly blessings, our inheritance, they're from God and they're to be used for his glory. So it says, be filled with the fullness of God. If we're filled with God, we need nothing more. I'm sure you feel like you've got Christ in your life and you really, you say, if I've got Christ, I don't need anything else, right? 
You've got him in your life. And so when we face problems, when we have anxieties, when we have accidents, diseases, whatever may come, we already have the answer. We already have what we need to help us through those situations. They're resources that are yours, and, and, and they're already resident within you. And Paul loves these people, and he wants so much more for them than they are currently exhibiting. His prayer for them is that they would not only know, but that they would do. The goal of the prayer is, uh, verse 20, that we would requisition the power of God within us, the, ex the exceeding abundantly great beyond our imagination, that the world would see what our God can do. They're hungering. They're thirsting. They're looking around and they're seeing you. And they want to see the power of God in you. There are five points that I want to point out in this prayer. There are five things that Paul talked about that he was praying for for these Christians in Ephesus. The first one is found in verse 16. He says, I'm asking God to grant you according to the riches of his glory. How incredibly vast and overflowing are the riches of God. The heavens are telling the glory of God. In Romans chapter 1, we're reminded that all of nature is pointing to the creator, to God. And here we are, unfortunately, like the prairie chickens and the eagle that grew up with them, barely getting by, complaining at every turn of life. Paul says, I'm asking him to grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Now that's an interesting phrase, the inner man. What, what is he talking about? He's, he's talking about the soul, that part that God created in his image that will last for eternity. Be filled with his power. Take what he's already given you and be full of that power. We get all kinds of, of things that are important this time of year, uh, especially some of us, we get really filled with football, don't we? College football, it's great. But you know, the funny thing is, the championship only lasts one year. And then they have to do it all over again. You know, I mean, you do get to brag and say, hey, we've won it, you know, six times or 15 times or whatever. But you didn't win it. You're not winning it this year. And that's not saying anything. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, we, because my team is Georgia Tech and we ain't winning it this year. Uh, so, you know, we get full of things. But what do we, what should we really get full of? Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul tells the believers at Corinth, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. We should be strengthening our inner man. We should be working to strengthen our inner man. The outward part is decaying. Did you know that the cosmetics industry is, is uh, probably going to make a little over $300 billion this year? That's a lot of outward work. That's a lot of outward work, but how much are we, are we working on the inner man? And how do we do that? Through reading God's word, through prayer, through spending time with God, meditating on his word, remembering it and thinking, God, what is it you want to tell me through this? 
And so we need to be strengthening the inner man and have all the resources that heaven has for us at our disposal. I don't know about you. I, I, I imagine you do. I want to be so holy and I want to be so pleasing to the Lord and I want to know his word and I want, to, I want people to see it in my speech and in my behavior. That's my inner man. And I, when things come along, temptations, trials, tribulation, I, I want to be able to, to be victorious. And so the Bible tells us, walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ, God's Word, dwell in you richly. When you submit yourself to God and you allow Him to fill you, then you are victorious. All the power is there. And Paul prays that the believers will appropriate that power. What you feed grows. We had a tomato plant out in the backyard. We didn't water it for about a week. It didn't do so good. You got to keep after it. You can't let it go. What you feed will grow. What have you been feeding? Are you feeding the outer man? That one that Paul said is wasting away? Or are you working on the inner man? The second thing that we want to point out here in these verses, a strong inner man results in great faith. Great faith in Christ. So I ask you, is Christ at home in your life? Is he able to work through you? Have you cleaned out? You know, there, when I was a teenager, they, they told us your heart is like a home. And your home has many rooms. And there may be even a few closets. And when we have guests over, they come over and uh, you may say, look, don't, don't go in that room. Door's closed. That's where I throw up my junk, right? There are places in your heart, are there, where you've thrown some junk. You need to get it cleaned out. We need to surrender ourselves, all of ourselves, to Christ so that he can be victorious in our lives. The third thing that I want to point out is in verse 17. And Paul says, he's praying that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. When Christ is at home in your life, you can't help but be filled with overflowing love. Being rooted and grounded in love means you're permeated through and through. It's, it's all in there. It's, you're filled up to the brim. When you are the embodiment of love, the love of Christ, when he dominates your life, then you will show that love. And Jesus said, By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another. It's not the kind of love that we think of that comes out of Hollywood. It's not even a brotherly love. It is a love that only God can give you. It is unconditional. We have that at our disposal. We just need to be appropriating it. Everybody's looking for real love. You have it. Christ has given it to you as an inheritance. We shouldn't be hiding it. Make it evident in your life. Be filled with love. 
Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second greatest commandment is also like that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The fourth point that I want to make comes from verse 19. That you may be filled up to the fullness of God. How full is the fullness of God? How full is that? Well, it means to be completely filled. No other room left. It means to be full of God, like Jesus. When we read about Jesus, it tells us he was full of grace and truth. Filled to the brim, overflowing with the attributes of God. And what are the attributes of God? Do you know the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you look like your daddy and you sound like your daddy, you talk like your daddy, more than likely you're going to get mistaken at some point by your daddy. I mean, you're, people are going to say, are you so... Oh, no, you're his son. Oh, okay. You begin to look like God when you have those attributes in your life. The fruit of the Spirit. There's an old saying, like father, like son. And ladies, it goes for you too. I know there's lots of young ladies who look just like their daddy. And it's great. I'm told it's a blessing. Um, so, we want to be like God. We want to get to know him and let him fill us up to the full. There was a great warrior who really messed up on the battlefield. And his commanding officer took him to the king. And the king was on the battlefield and the king happened to be Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great was told what had happened by this commanding officer. And he said, well, bring him over here to me. And he, Alexander the Great spoke to him and said... Young man, what's your name? And the young warrior said, My name's Alexander. And he looked at him and he said, Well, either change your ways or change your name. Being a Christian means that you are like Christ. To have his attributes in your life. So Paul says, Be Strengthened in the inner man. Make your heart a place of comfort for the Lord. Be overflowing with his love. And be filled with the fullness of God. And then our last point is found in verse 20. Because of those things, God is now able to work in us. And not just a little bit, but exceedingly abundantly above. I find it's interesting in the Bible when they speak something three times, it's like, this is important. It's like not putting just one exclamation point behind something, but putting three behind it. Look, this is emphatic. And that's what we have here. Three words that mean basically this exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. All our wants will be centered on the things that God wants, that he thinks. And it's way, way, way more important, more greater than we can ever comprehend. The power is turned on and he's able to work in us and through us because we're strengthened in the inner man. He's at home in us. There's a clean house. We've, 
We've gotten it cleaned out. It's comfortable. His love permeates all we say and do. And as a result, we're filled to the brim with God to the point that we look and act like Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. This is Paul. I am crucified with Christ. Crucifixion was death. It was a death sentence. He says, I'm dead to myself. But he says, nevertheless, I live. You still see me walking around. He says, but it's not me. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this old flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, for you. He also told the church at Corinth, he said, you are not your own. You've been bought with a great price. Therefore, glorify God with all that you are, all that you have. Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians just as I pray for you. That you would be strengthened with power in the inner man. That he would dwell in your hearts through great faith. And that you would be permeated with the love of Christ. and Filled with the fullness of God. So that he's glorified in this church. In his church. Forevermore. And to all generations. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? morning I believe there's possibly someone here who does not know about this these great attributes that they have they may not even know about the mystery that Paul spoke of in the first two chapters the mystery of salvation you've never repented of your sins you've never turned away from them that's what repented means and you've not abandoned them and headed toward God but today the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and You've realized, just like the prodigal son, there's a better way. If the Holy Spirit of God is calling to you this morning, I urge you to come. Head toward God. Pursue Him with everything that's in you. I will tell you that the people who do are rewarded far beyond what they can imagine or think with eternal blessings. And this turning is easy. It really is. In in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of decision. As we do that, what I'd like to ask you to do is come forward. I'll pray with you and we'll find someone that can help you grow in your newfound faith. And you'll you'll never regret the decision. Perhaps you're already a believer this morning and you realize you're not the embodiment of this scripture. Be strengthened in the inner man. Make your heart the home that Jesus can feel comfortable in. Get it clean. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this morning during this time of decision, you may need to come forward and make your decision public to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I ask you don't be prideful. Get your life right today. Because none of us is guaranteed another day. So I pray 
we will make the decisions that the Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. Father, I pray that we'll take this time very seriously. I pray that all Christians will begin praying that decisions would be made, that you would be glorified in our lives. The men and women, boys and girls, young and old alike that are here, would choose to make you the center of their lives. They would have the fullness of you. They'd be strengthened in the inner man. You would take up residence in us and we would produce the fruits of the Spirit. Father, cleanse our hearts and make us full of all your fullness. We might be pure and holy. We want to be able to do above and beyond all that we can imagine. We pray that your power would work in and through us. Your glory and honor. 